Hello, Gut Check Project listeners. It's episode 34. You're going to love this one. It's very near and dear to a lot of different people. If you've ever had anybody who's ever suffered from a stroke, so we are going to get into that. But of course, the Gut Check Project today is brought to you by Atron Teal. Get your own Atron Teal at lovemytummy.com forward slash KBMD. Dr. Brown, do you have anything to add about Atron Teal and their polyphenols? Well, we're going to get into this, but today it's interesting. Gut Check Project, we're talking about strokes. Why? Well, because it happens to a lot of people, and I got called by a friend who, unfortunately, his father had a stroke. So we're getting into it, but as it turns out, a whole episode can be devoted to polyphenols and improving health, including stroke prevention. That's how, just listen to the rest of the episode to get that. If you'd like to prevent yourself from having your own issues with diseases that maybe you could have taken some action with, check out Atron Teal, lovemytummy.com forward slash KBMD. Of course, episode 34 is also brought to you by KBMD Health CBD. Go to kbmdhealth.com, pick up your own CBD endorsed by a gastroenterologist, happens to be sitting across the table from me, and he uses it clinically on his own patients. So... Today's episode is specifically, oops, nah, I, I, I hate saying spoiler alert all the time. I think I, I, think I overused that way Spoiler too alert. Much. She hates spoiler alert. When, <laughs> we have like, uh, we have people that will call in and be like, you use spoiler alert a lot. I'm like, I, <laughs> sorry, I'm going to try and avoid that. And I've already said it like six times. So um, today's episode is going to be about how the endocannabinoid system in relation to strokes, and we know that Atrontil helps your own endocannabinoids True. increase, and we also know that CBD is closely involved with that. So no joke, listen to the rest of the episode, but go to kbmdhealth.com, get your own CBD, because the rest of the episode is going to explain the science behind it. Save 20% at kbmdhealth.com using code GCP. That stands for Gut Check Project. kbmdhealth.com. Use it today. You know, I feel like we started out at like save 2%, and then you just slowly keep creeping that number up where it's now we're up to 20, and I'm like, I should probably listen. Save 110%. I'm like, Eric, I'm losing money every yes. time we do this show. We What's will, going on? We will eventually pay you to take it. <laughs> All right, we're going to get down to the Gut Check Project starting on episode 34. It's going to be a quick one, but you're going to love it. Yeah, we're going to try and do this a little bit quicker because what I've gotten some feedback is when you guys get all sciencey that sometimes it's it's cool to hear the the fun stuff, but the reality is, is that the science gets a little geeky and it, it gets almost like a lecture. So I apologize to everyone out there if I've been some weird professor. But uh, um, So my only thing, so let's do the personal stuff. Is your family good? Family's great. Awesome. My family's great also. Awesome. And that's up for the personal <laughs> side. <laughs> so, like I said, I was called by a good friend, uh, Tim, our good friend. His father had... Tim Power, been on the show. Yeah. Tim Power, been on the show. His father had a stroke. And he, he messaged me and he said, hey, man, my dad had a stroke and they don't seem to be talking diet. They don't seem to be talking supplements. He's in rehab. He's getting better. I'm doing my own stuff. I'm trying to fix this, but do you have any recommendations? And rather than just knee jerk and go, Oh, I'm going to go ahead and yeah, just do this and this and this. I started thinking about it. And I went, Holy cow. My hospital medical city Plano right. is a level one trauma center and is designated as a um, magnet hospital for stroke, uh, acute stroke rehabilitation. Okay. So they have a whole team that if you show up with a stroke, it's just like a heart attack. 
they're badass. Yeah. They show up with like this team of interventional neurologists and they get in there and they do all this stuff. So I'm sitting there, my well, quick side note, I'm picking up my family from Mexico because Lucas was playing tennis. You know, that was the, the personal part of it that we didn't get into, but um, just assume it's tennis. So <laughs> assume it's basketball. Yeah. So um, I called, I called the stroke rehab unit and I spoke with them with the uh, nurse, the, right. the managing nurse. And she was so cool. She's like, she's like, Hey, yeah, yeah blah, blah, blah. Yeah. We will. Uh, our, our rates are this, this is the protocol. I'm like, what's the protocol for diet? Uh, we don't have one. I'm like, what's the protocol for supplements? We don't have one. Nope. I'm like, Oh my goodness. Let's look at this. So I called our secret weapon. And I started to get into it, and it's a much bigger bite to chew off than we can do in this sort of quick episode. So this quick episode, I want to just focus on the endocannabinoid system and stroke. All right. Because what we do with stroke victims is that we basically do everything wrong. I believe it. In the hospital. Yeah. And when I asked her, I'm like, what is the typical diet? She's like, low fat. What's the science behind that? Exactly. And we know that the carbohydrates increase inflammation and this and that. I'm like, well, what else? And she's like, traditionally, everybody gets put on a statin, which causes some brain inflammation because we're chasing numbers on cholesterol. Anyways, keep listening because we're going to end up doing another episode on we're going to develop a protocol that I hope everybody adapts. And the nurse was like, that would be amazing. Nobody's talking like that because everybody has this hammer. I mean, we bring these people in, they have a stroke and one of the most important things is sleep. And what do we do? Just disrupt sleep, all the check time. vitals, blood sugar, and all this other stuff. So basically we focus on, we focus on all this stuff. So I called a couple neurologists up and I was like, Hey man, what's the, or Hey woman, I don't want to be sexist here. I'm like, Hey, what are we doing here? What's going on with the, um, you, you guys are crushing it. So basically they focus on the awesomeness science of clot busters like TPAs and blood thinners. And then they rush in with this incredible technology that is amazing where they get in and they do like cardiac clot, like the same thing that the cardiologists have been doing, Correct. that they end up just sort of extracting these clots and they do this crazy stuff. It works, but then they don't think about anything else. Right. So here at Gut Check Project, I feel like we check our egos at the door and we look and go, how can we do things a little bit better? I feel like that this conversation that we're having could be the beginning of something bigger. Sure. I feel like we're missing a ton of stuff. This is not to bash traditional medicine at all. This is just, just a glorious example of how medicine save lives. But unfortunately, if all you have is a hammer, then everything's a nail. So we're going to go ahead and look at that today. Let's do it. I'm going to do one brief thing because yeah. we always do an in the news. We always do our personal lives in the news. Okay. This is mostly because it's a win for me. All right. So I'm just, uh, whenever I find news that is pertinent to me, I'll talk about it and I'll kind of like most people just sort of ignore the stuff that bothers you. <laughs> Bottom line is a study just came out um, looking at coffee. Oh, I love coffee. So February is heart month, right? It is. So everybody talks about heart month and we're strokes are almost uh, parallel to heart. So the same vessels that can ruin your brain can ruin your heart. You're going to die either way. Let's start fixing it. Yeah. So a study came out this last Thursday. So just a few days ago um, in a journal called PLOS Biology that I follow, which always looks at like new and upcoming research. Um, as it find, it, as it turns out, we know that coffee's good. In 2017, there was this big meta-analysis that showed that it helped with diabetes and it also helped with um, 
cardiovascular disease and different things like that. But we really never, we always thought it was the polyphenols. Right. So these guys looked at this and they took mouse models. And what they showed is that the caffeine plays a role. Whoop, whoop. Nice. Yeah. Uh, it, in case you haven't guessed it, I drink just tons of coffee. <laughs> I didn't have to guess. I see it all of the time. <laughs> all right. So anyways, they took mouse models. And what they showed is that when you drank four to five cups of coffee equivalent in caffeine, uh-huh. you actually improve the mitochondria in the heart cells. They even showed that the mitochondria is that, you know, it's the powerhouse of the cell. It's what makes you walk around. It's what drives every single cell. They found a protein called P27, which is stimulated by caffeine. And when they gave heart attacks to mice and then they gave them coffee, the mice that got the coffee or the caffeine equivalent Mm -hmm. recovered quicker. Knockout mice that they uh, uh, took away the P27 um, protein or whatever, they all died of heart attacks. So quick little thing in the news. Coffee, good. Helps diabetes. Helps heart disease. And now we realize that it improves mitochondria. So I got to thinking. I was like, wow. The whole mitochondria is our aging thing. Found an article where they looked at old and aging mice. The more caffeine that they took in during the day, the more that their mitochondria were younger. And it was an anti-aging molecule. So polyphenols plus caffeine, it looks like. That's really interesting. Brief note. And maybe we should even do a show about caffeine and the systemic effects because um, during anesthesia school, we talked about why caffeine does what it does and the jitters. And essentially, the way it was explained to us and shown to us is that uh, they didn't know the exact mechanism, but they could tell that the threshold that it took for like a neuron to fire was lessened. So what it does is it lowers threshold to uh, elicit an action potential. And it would make sense that somebody who's a little bit older, basically you're taking down the barrier and now you've got demand making the mitochondria useful I mean, it's yeah. It's like all, where you're going with that? It's all kind of systemic. We'll get to that. That sounds like a an interesting. So, anyways, show. that's just basically in the news. Heart month. Now we're doing this. And if you think this episode's fast, wait till we do the caffeine one. <laughs> <laughs> so it, this is just one of those things where we're we're trying some different stuff out. But one of the biggest problems I had is I called the stroke center and they do not have a protocol. And then when I called the neurologist. And, and I, I said one thing. I was like, have you guys ever thought about the endocannabinoid system in your specialty? No, they haven't. Not only no, it was a hard no with that's BS. Sure. Yeah. So rather than get in an argument, I'm like, eh, we'll just do a show on it. Yeah, we will. So this show should be titled the anti-BS side of endocannabinoid system and strokes. Let's do it. All right. So... Once again, geeky. Sorry, we've done two geeky shows in a row. We're going to have to start having, you know, just playful things. We, we have to have a comedian on like Joe Rogan or something like that. Eventually. You know? Yeah, eventually. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably a little premature. But. All right. So let's talk about the endocannabinoid system really quick. I'm going to throw it to you okay. and I'm going to let you d- to describe to everybody what is the endocannabinoid system? The best application that we know to date that I understand is it basically functions as a great communicator between our nervous and our, and our, uh, and our uh, immune system. So you have these two systems, and basically it functions as the regulator. It's the one that prevents one from being overstimulated and driving the other one to do something that you don't want it to do. 
100%. So the way that I describe it to my patients, our endocannabinoid system is like any other system in our body. You have a cardiovascular, a neurologic. The endocannabinoid system works like a traffic cop. Yep. What it does is it says we need more information here. Whoa, you're overreacting. Why don't you just calm down right over here? So keep that in mind. Because as we talk about the endocannabinoid system, now we're going to talk about how does the endocannabinoid system relate to strokes. All right. All right. So unfortunately, we got to talk a little bit about strokes. And I like history. You like history. I do. So you know, Hippocrates, the father of medicine, first recognized strokes over 2,400 years ago. We've had 2,400 years to figure out how to fix this. At that time, they called it apoplexy, which means struck down by violence. So 2,400 years, and to this day, strokes still kill 140,000 Americans. That's one out of every 20 deaths. Wow. Someone in the United States has a stroke every 40 seconds. That means every four minutes, someone dies. Every year, more than seven, well, let's just call it 800,000. People in the United States have a stroke. About 87% of all strokes are ischemic strokes, which means it's decrease of blood flow. Mm -hmm. And $34 billion are lost every single year due to strokes. Stroke is a leading cause of serious long-term disability. Stroke reduces mobility and more than half of stroke survivors. So if the, the actual death is not shocking enough, right. it's your health span is reduced. And you and I always talk about lifespan versus health span. Definitely. Be healthy. So what I'm going to talk about right here is crazy that this is not being implicated. Okay. This is not, or not implicated, not, um, not being used, used in the traditional setting. Got you. All right. So right now the cool science going on is that we've got all this intervention. We've got labs, we've got stroke centers. We do, we're, I feel like we can do a whole episode on just the diet, the supplements, mm -hmm. everything around lifestyle on a stroke. And we're going to do that just like we're going to do the butyrate episode coming up. And sure. just like we're going to do every time we get into a topic, it, we start digging deeper and we learn a little bit more. So today, the fact that these neurologists are saying, oh, food is BS. Well, I'm just taking on the big 600 pound gorilla. I'm going to say, well, you want to know what? You're not even thinking about endocannabinoids, are you? And they're like, that's really BS. <laughs> now we're going to get into it. So it is, there's tons of research in the animal model of how to target. So this topic of this podcast is the endocannabinoid system and strokes. Holy cow. There's tons of data on this and we're not even talking about it. I'm at a, a, a world-class stroke center yeah. where we save more people than uh, like any place else. We've been given national recognition. Definitely. If, if you're the CEO of who owns our hospital, uh, old Columbia, uh, HCA, HCA, if you're the CEO of HCA, pay attention because I can save more people for you because as it turns out, there's lots of confusing data out there. And I took the time to go ahead and look at some of this. It's really cool. Basically we've already reviewed the endocannabinoid system. Now in this endocannabinoid system, there's two primary receptors. We're learning that there's more sure. for the Will Clydens of the world that are super smart <laughs> and they understand that there's a lot more than that or the Chris Crassers and people like that. But for the general public, there's two receptors, CB1 and CB2. They are the traffic cops. Right. So that's what we have to realize. So as we 
alter the endocannabinoid system through different things. We know that the endocannabinoid system is associated with Parkinson's disease. It's associated with Alzheimer's and multiple sclerosis. The only drug approved is Epidiolex for seizures. Okay. This is part of the problem. It's the confusion of what's going on. People say, what does the FDA say? Well, did you know that the FDA just missed their mark to present to Congress on February 20th? No. Yeah, they missed it. That's another news article. They did not come up with a consensus statement on CBD when they were mandated by Congress to do that because everybody's so confused. Wow. Yeah. No, I, I didn't know that. We should look into that. And we know that in those studies of Epidiolex, there was 86% side effects and all these right. other things. So what I'm going to get into is the full spectrum, what we're looking at here. So stick with me here. I know that I'm kind of bouncing around. But what I'm trying to do is set the stage that the endocannabinoid system is intricately related to the disease known as a stroke or the event known as a stroke. So knowing that the endocannabinoid system is important in Parkinson's and in um, Alzheimer's dementia and such like that, what we want to try and figure out is how is the endocannabinoid system related to similar things, which is Parkinson's and dementia are inflammation in the brain. Right. Well, a stroke is immediate inflammation in the yeah. brain. All right. So CB1 receptors. I say this only because the argument will come up, will be like, well, I found some studies that showed that. There were some studies looking at CB1 receptors where when you had knockout mice, they did better. Other studies showed that they did worse. Some said that this and that. And so I was going through all this literature going, this is silly. This is, we don't really have a conclusion. So the bottom line is, think of it this way. And I will use a Will Clyden quote. <laughs> it is a symphony. It is not one instrument. When you are looking at the endocannabinoid system, if you are just going to focus on one thing, which unfortunately researchers do, because it's impossible to account for all the other variables, all I can say is CB1 is intricately involved and it may be involved in a negative way yeah. when it becomes a stroke. So if your endocannabinoid system is not in tune, it can make it worse. Just like a symphony where you have the brass section, which is just screwing it up. You've got... Um, the rest of the symphony playing Mozart and you've got some other people just kicking some cake. An orchestra with only cymbals is not very entertaining. <laughs> no, it's not. So I bring this up because when you start trying to read it and debate it and look at it, you can be thrown curveballs. Sure. One of them is that. And, but then you dig deeper and there's all this literature on this instrument called CB2. Okay. CB2 is the other instrument CB1, CB2 are the two receptors. Now we're learning more about the endocannabinoid system. The data is much more straightforward on this. Basically, multiple rat models have shown that when you give an agonist or a CB2 activator, mm -hmm. both pre-stroke and post-stroke, you decrease the amount of damage. So you can actually prevent what's going to happen. And then once it happens, you go, Oh, we need to stimulate that. Keep that in mind. Definitely. Because to prove a point further, when CB2 was blocked, the rats had tremendously more damage and they had residual effects. So just by saying the endocannabinoid system uh -huh. and they're like, Oh, it involves CB1, CB2, which is the top level that everybody talks about. Sure. The interplay is way more. You got to let the body do what it wants to do. 
can't shut one off. You can't turn one on. You can't encourage. You have to be able to let the body do what it wants to do. No, definitely. And that's uh, that's really not that different than lots of different drugs, which they thought uh, if they pulled them out of racemic mixtures. And then what racemic mixture means is you've got two different variations of the same molecule and one's active and one isn't. But then they learned that sometimes if you do one and try to isolate it, you actually cause damage. Whereas before... If you had them together, you didn't have that damage. And exactly. it's played out multiple times. So clearly CB2 receptors play a very key role. What I'm trying to prove here is that when we take these animals and we mess with these receptors, uh-huh. we either increase the damage or we decrease the damage. So the theory is that the endocannabinoid-mediated modulation of the inflammatory process is the reason why people get better. So in other words, we always talk about inflammation. Now they're realizing that the CB2 receptor mitigates the inflammatory process during an ischemic event. That's pretty important. It's really wild. So now what actually interacts with these receptors? So if somebody's never heard these terms before, they're like, man, they're talking weird stuff. They're talking CB1, CB2. Don't worry about that. CB1, CB2 are just two like-minded things that are trying to make you better. As it turns out, we can say this about every single system in the body. There's going to be interactions, downplaying. In the gastrointestinal system, histamine will stimulate a cell, which will produce gastrin, which will increase the acid production. Sure. Blah, blah, blah. But We know this. But histamine could, the same molecule on a different receptor, could cause a completely different... 100%. So why would the endocannabinoid system not be different than every other system? It's, it sounds to me like it's very normal. You know what? I keep saying we're going to have endocannabinologists. I'm going to be the first endocannabinologist. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to give myself a title. So, <laughs> I mean, somebody had to be the first black belt in something, right? <laughs> I mean, why did I just rush to it and be like, I'm it. Yeah. I'm the, I'm B- it. I'm the BBECS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So there's two endocannabinoids. What I mean is you make your own CBD. And those two things, there's, we're learning that there's lots of them. Yeah. But for the basics, it's anandamide and 2-AG. So knowing that you have these two endogenous, meaning two endocannabinoids that stimulate CB1 and CB2, now we're just learning what they do. Right. Okay? So 2-AG goes up dramatically following a stroke. So it's trying to do some damage control. We don't know. We don't know. We do know that when anandamide is the soft light that is always on, uh-huh. when you go through a stressful event, uh-huh. 2-AG turns on, so it's the flashlight. Gotcha. So the feeling is that uh, that 2-AG is the fight or flight endocannabinoid. Oh, okay. Yeah. So when you need it, uh-huh. it ramps way up. Okay. In situations where there's cell damage, it doesn't know the difference that there's cell damage possibly it's ramping up because it's like we're in fight or flight mode. Yeah. We're dying here. Where's the inflammation? Yeah. So these guys are postulating that when you block 2-AG, the stroke damage is less. My feeling is, well, what if it's doing something someplace else? Like, what if you needed that 2-AG burst? So when you have fight or flight, you huh. need it for different things. Sure. Some people would say, oh, you're having fight or flight. You're being chased by a saber-toothed tiger. Your blood pressure's up. We should give you blood pressure medicine. No, it's the right thing that should be happening right now. Yeah. I need the blood pressure to pump the blood. So we know that 
that 2AG is your fight or flight endocannabinoid. Think of it that way, the flashlight. Okay. Anandamide is the one that you want up. That is the... Parasympathetic, your rest and digest. It's the. It's not quite the parasympathetic one, but it's the one that is your baseline that should always be filled. Okay. That anandamide take should always be filled up. Okay. 2AG, we're going to learn more about it in the future because we haven't studied that as much. But when you have 2-AG around, blood flow gets reduced, so the damage is worse. And this is really interesting because when your baseline anandamide is low, your 2-AG will overshoot. Okay. So they work like a seesaw. Okay. So if you can get them in balance. Balance. We always talk about balance in sync. When your anandamide is full and your 2-AG is full, they never really mess with each other. Nice. In a situation where you're depleted in your endocannabinoid system then you will have the propensity to have too much 2-AG and your anandamide is in fight or flight and your endocannabinoids will keep producing the 2-AG. That is very, very interesting. So in, in other words, what we want is to never be in a position where our, our ECS is low on what it needs to function. 100%. So anandamide, we're now learning, is probably the baseline endocannabinoid that controls the day-to-day response that you're having. 2-AG turns on when you need it to turn on. So although the animal models show that 2-AG increases significantly, causes vasoconstriction and all this stuff, we're learning that, okay, maybe, maybe, sure. and this is my theory, The stress and the chronic disease, listen to this one more time here, the stress and the chronic disease that led to a stroke Uh meant that your anandamide was being depleted and your body was getting ready for the event, your 2AGs going up. So stress, lack of sleep, diet, all have been shown to decrease our anandamide levels. Stress, lack of sleep, and diet have all been shown to be linked to cardiac and stroke and every other event that we talk about. Time and time again. So when I grab a neurologist and I say, have you ever thought about the endocannabinoid system being related to stroke? And they're like, that's BS. And I'm being nice about how they said it to me. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Well, it's... We're missing this huge giant piece and it's kind of sad because the 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 research isn't it's not one paper this is it's ubiquitous and it grows every single day i think people have over the last 50 years have forgotten that innovation brought us to where we are now i mean we used to not have tpa we used to not have coumadin we used to not have these things i mean it those were also new introductive things for us to figure out. How did I, I was talking to somebody yesterday and they were like, you know, what's really skewed when you look back at like the, the average lifespan, when you, when you factor out the, um, deaths at birth, uh-huh. people still live to like 60 and 70, like, like, you, but there were so many things that killed babies. Oh, oh you mean long like, ago, like long ago. Sure. So when I say that Hippocrates was describing yeah. strokes and, you know, 2000 years ago, or whatever. But um, this is so fascinating because think about this. If you keep your anandamide levels optimal, like adding atrontil, which blocks an enzyme that breaks down your own anandamide levels, that is something that we can look at. And I think that's part of the next episode. But when you take CBD 
So our CBD product here, when you take a good quality CBD, it doesn't even bind directly to CB1 or CB2. We know that a full spectrum product has many cannabinoids and other molecules that bind to certain receptors. We also believe that CBD will play a role in helping the body to produce more of its own endocannabinoids. Right. So what I tell my patients is that if you take CBD, you're going to increase your own anandamide levels. You take CBD plus atrantil, that's the signature package, and you're going to make sure that you block the enzyme that breaks down your anandamide. So it lasts longer. So it lasts longer, and <laughs> the neurologist is like, there's no science in this. Okay. So I had to dig deeper. Or our secret weapon dug deeper for me. And <laughs> um, in rat models... Infusing CBD into the brains of rats significantly helped to decrease the amount of damage and help recovery and stroke. Really? CBD does nothing? They actually injected CBD into the brains of rats that they caused strokes, and it actually blocked the ischemic event. One to one. That, Crazy. That's noticeable. That's a reproducible event. And then in another study, they showed that the blood brain barrier sealed its tight junction and decreased brain swelling post stroke when you gave them CBD, which is huge. I mean, I know it sounds really, really technical, but trust me, that's not nothing. Remember the whole reason that I'm even talking about this is because our friend Tim just called me and said, Hey man, my dad's in rehab and they're not saying anything. Well, it was shown that continued oral administration post stroke at one week. And one month reduced the volume of infarct and improved neural behavior on autopsy. Wow. So they're taking this. It showed that CBD reduced white matter injury, reduced glial response, meaning that the cells did not react to it. And it increased BDNF. Which is what you need for repair. You need that for repair. Shit. Yeah. This is nuts. Yeah. We're over here saying that CBD doesn't do anything, where the endocannabinoid doesn't have anything. And I'm finding article after article, and these guys are finding amazing data, BDNF. If I, the first thing I would do would be to, um, we're good. the first thing I would do would be to put people, we're going to come up with a whole protocol. And I'm going to go to HCA and I'm going to be like, everybody that has a freaking stroke needs A, B, C, D, and one of them is going to be freaking CBD. You know, this is ridiculous. We've got some opportunity, though, and not everybody's closed. We could probably find a couple of neurologists around here in the area that are at least willing to uh, fairly examine data and, and dive in. And that's what we'll have to do. We're going to end up having to go into this. I mean, the fact that I called my own stroke center and the nurse sheepishly said, well, you know, they do the usual things. They put them on a low-fat diet, and I stopped her, <laughs> which, by the way, it's really cool because when I called up, I was picking Lucas up, and I— I was like, yeah, hey, um, it was nurse manager. And she's like, yeah. And I said, um, I said, yeah, this is this is Dr. Brown. I, I, do you have a moment to ask a couple questions? She's like, sure. What patient is it regarding? I'm like, nah, I just want to ask some questions. And she stopped. She goes, the GI? Doctor? <laughs> I said, yeah. She's like, uh-oh. I'm like, what do you mean, uh-oh? She's like, I've seen your show. I'm a little scared of what you're going to ask. <laughs> Awesome. I'm like, all right. And this, so that's how we got in this talk. So right now, new <laughs> models are looking at immediate administration of CBD and hypothermia. So somebody out there is saying, if we make them cold and give them CBD, and it seems to be a synergistic effect. Wasn't that long ago, people thought that making the body cold was a bunch of hocus pocus crap too, right? Yeah. It really wasn't that long ago. 
And so now we've returned to, I mean, that's a natural element. All we're doing is reducing body temperature. But however long ago it was, I, I can remember people saying, well, you know, they're trying the cryo. And at first, like, eh, maybe it works. And then suddenly we saw a lack of decrease in loss of uh, neural function. And yeah. Make believers. So I want to play devil's advocate. And okay. we, we talked last time that we're going to do some sort of um, like uh, contest. Uh-huh. Here's the contest okay. for the listeners. All right. There is a reference when I was looking at all this stuff. One reference. There was an article on stroke and cannabis ingestion where they said that cannabis ingestion increases the incidence of stroke. So, and then I went and found the article and realized there's a lot of other factors associated with it. Much like the FDA article that we did on liver failure, uh-huh. it's very much like that. But the FDA is using an article like that and ignoring everything that I just said. Sure. Right. And they're using that. So what I propose is, and you figured out you're the, you're the techie guy. Let's do some sort of giveaway where if somebody, the first person that messages us mm-hmm. in one way or another, email, Instagram, Facebook. Um, Paul, going to need help with that. Yeah. Um, snail mail, whatever, I don't know, (laughs) that references the article and puts the author's names down because the author's names, you'll, you'll really, you'll, you'll definitely find the article when you find these author's names, then I think we should give them a a signature package. Signature package. If you find the well-hidden gem about marijuana, cannabis, smoking, and stroke causation, right? Yeah. Yeah. So spoiler alert. Ah, damn it. I'm doing it again. Yeah. Nine times. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going through a whole Rick and Morty phase. I should do flubba lubba wubba. Oh, man. If you're not watching Rick and Morty, that's one way to decrease anxiety for sure. I, uh, oh my goodness. I'm just. This episode is brought to you by Rick and Morty. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot believe it took me this long to find that show. I am, I come home and that's 20 minutes of just complete giggle time. Just total giggle time. All right. So. Lots of cool animal data. I just explained what I think shows that the endocannabinoid system is intricately related to strokes and how it can improve it. And in some ways, if you try and mess with it, make it worse. So let's, uh, I know we did a quick episode, but let's just do a quick uh, rundown to make sure that everybody who's listening or watching can make their own crib notes. So essentially, before and after a stroke, you can prepare your body for better recovery or prevention of the stroke itself. That comes from having a healthy endocannabinoid system, your ECS. Correct. How can you fortify your ECS? You make sure that you have enough sleep. You make certain that your diet is rich in polyphenols, which, of course, you can supplement with Altron Teal. And you make certain that you have the correct micronutrients for your ECS to lift up, which you can get with a formidable or reputable CBD, which KBMD Health has both of those things. So in essence, if you want, you you don't know how you're going to get hurt. A lot of people don't know that they're going to have a heart attack. Today, I had a patient today, 172 pounds. 40, I thought you were going to say 172 years old, and I was like, whoa. Six foot one, uh, well-built man, 172 pounds, 49 years old has been doing uh, jujitsu and taekwondo for 30-something years. Wow. Heart attack. Had a heart attack back in 2012. What? Undiagnosed CAD. The guy's got, uh, which is coronary artery disease, the guy has two stints in. My point is, nobody knows. You don't know when you're going to be susceptible to something. So 
if you can, he was doing what he could, right? He was exercising. Yeah. So he was doing that part, right? But maybe something else that he could have been aware of. I'm telling you, we're going to learn that the endocannabinoid system plays a much bigger role in this. And we have seen diseases start happening earlier and all that stuff. KBD Health, GCP, code GCP, save 20% on your signature package. 100%. So the bottom line is that there's tons of supporting evidence that exists for the involvement of the endocannabinoid system in the pathology of a stroke. Now, clearly, this is super complex, and we're just getting into it. And these researchers that are coming up with conflicting data about trying to block CB1 or trying oh, to yeah. agonize CB2, don't, don't do that. What we really need to do is just make sure, let your body do what it wants to do. When there is sufficient anandamide, which is the one that we know really kind of helps out, it will work like a traffic cop and keep the receptors in check. 2-AG is probably necessary for certain things. So if we are doing this show and you start to, well, like I'm like, okay, bottom line is if I'm looking at you Mm -hmm. and you're talking to me and all Mm -hmm. of a sudden you start slurring your speech and half your face starts drooping and you look like you're having a stroke, first thing I'm going to do is run and grab a whole bottle of KBMD CBD and I'm going to shove it down your throat because at least we know in animal models that makes a big difference. And then I'm going to go get a bunch of other supplements that we're going to do a whole other show on Mm -hmm. that should be protocol for every single stroke center in the U.S., so, much like the Butyrate podcast, we got another one that we're getting into, and I'm going to bring a neurologist on, and I want to bring an expert so that we can talk about it. Small request. If I'm having a stroke and you're going to do all that CBD, also get a speech pathologist to make sure I can swallow. Yes, we will do all that. If you're having a stroke, but I, <clears throat> I'm not trying to be a jerk about this, mm-hmm. but we're going to finish the show first. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. <laughs> so, I mean, if it starts happening, try to do it towards the tail end of the show. Okay. You know, do you know that I've had four heart attacks since we've started this this whole podcast show? That's it? But I just suck it up, and just move on. <laughs> yeah? yeah, I've had all kinds of health issues. <laughs> that, believe it or not, is going to go down in the books as our first short episode. Well, we want to do a short episode because I feel like we're getting a little too sciencey, and I want your feedback. I mean, quite honestly, do you like the science? Do you not like the science? Do you want the guests? Do you not want the guests? But when I find stuff like this, I have to let it out. And if you gave me two hours, I'd be talking for two hours. So this is just a way to control the amount of vomit that I do right here. But it's so cool. How are we not doing this? I don't know. But I think it'll, I think we'll change, though. And thanks uh, every single week. And thanks to Paul. We're gaining viewers. We're gaining listeners. This last week was a huge spike in the last seven shows. So please, thank and you, you want to know what people are reaching out on their Insta, they're uh, messaging me on Instagram, and they're asking medical questions. I love that. I'm. We're gonna do shows on that stuff. So if you've got questions, let's do this. Definitely. That's gonna do it for episode number thirty-four. That was strokes and the endocannabinoid system. Uh, we will in the show notes go ahead and add uh, unrefined bakery. Their offer is still good. So save twenty percent if you want to have. Uh, keto friendly, uh, no gluten, uh, paleo friendly, whatever kind of meal that you're after and you feel like you can't have bread, they've got the solution for you. Unrefinedbakery.com. Use code GUTCHECK and save 20%. Yeah. So once again, please do us a big favor. What we're trying to do is really spread this message of of functional health. Um, Share it with everybody. Get people calling in. Get people asking because We've got the resources. We're gaining a little bit of traction here, and this can be really fun. This was such an eye-opener for me. Endocannabinoid system and strokes, all because somebody said my dad had a stroke. And Tim Power, thanks for reaching out. Certainly appreciate it. 
Gut Check Project uh, in the books. Go to gutcheckproject.com, share, like, and share, and we appreciate it. 34? 34. 34. See you later. Bye.